It's really difficult to find great executives. Spear Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast. Excited to be able to connect with you today, John. And uh, I know we got to connect beforehand and seems like we're very like-minded in many different areas of life. Uh, you're definitely uh, further ahead on the leadership journey than me, so excited to learn from you and be able to you know, um, dive into the wisdom that you can share with our audience as well. The first question that we always start with is, who are you? Well, Chris, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Uh, that question about who are you, that's a question that I think we're uh, always on a journey to discover. And it's kind of like leadership. You never quite get there. Um, I'm a lawyer and there's always a joke about lawyers practice law. And uh, there's always the joke of, well, when do you actually like get to do it? Uh, you're always practicing. And that's kind of like leadership to where you're constantly thinking. And so uh, in terms of who I am, um, as I think about that question, uh, I quickly go to who I aspire to be. And I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Uh, but I want to be a great dad to my kids. I want to be a great husband to my wife. And I want to make good things happen in this world. And I think there's opportunities to do that through business. I think there's opportunities to do that through education. I think there's opportunities to do that through uh, church and other organizations and things like that. And so uh, I do everything I can in terms of trying to give of myself and the talents that I've been blessed with. Uh, to try to share those with others and to do so in such a way that it makes a difference in the lives of people around me. And um, there's every day where I fall short, uh, but then uh, I'm blessed that uh, I get the opportunity to uh, come into the lives of people and uh, try again in terms of offering some word of wisdom or offering some idea or insight uh, that will allow them to get through a difficult moment. That's often where I get brought in uh, or perhaps uh, help them figure out how to accomplish something that uh, they want to accomplish. And so uh, that's kind of a short answer in terms of what I strive to be. And like I said, uh, I'm still living into it every single day. Gotcha. Well, you mentioned that you're married with uh, kids. So having that support system is really important for being Absolutely. able to sustain the level of, uh, you know, what we're looking to accomplish in life. How long have you been married and how many kids do you have? Sure. I've been married 20 years now. It just oh, wow. crazy. Yes. It seems Let's like, go, uh, it is, it go is, John. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, it, it's gone by quick, but I've got a, uh, a wonderful wife, Melissa, who is uh, absolutely the better half and keeps me humble and uh, pours wisdom into my life every single day. And then three wonderful children, Weston, Brooklyn, and Deacon. Uh, they are 15, 13, and eight. And kids keep you young, but they also keep you honest. And one of the <laughs> things I'm starting to learn is that uh, they also are great teachers. And so I'm learning from my kids uh, about what's cool and what's not cool and the kind of things that I should be dressing and wearing and doing and all these kind of things. They, they, they kind of keep me up to speed with the times. Have you, at what at what age of them did you, were you no longer cool? 
Are you still cool? I mean, I'm far from being cool. No, so. I'm long gone. Yeah, I'm long gone. My 15 and 13 year old, I'm an old man that, uh, you know, you would think like I have no value or something. So like, we don't want to hang out with you. We just want to go with our friends. And uh, can you just give us the ride? That's all we're interested in. So yeah, definitely I've uh, exited the cool stage, but I hear, at least I hear from a lot of parents that you re-enter the cool stage about like 21, 22 or something like that, where the kids are all of a sudden like, hey, mom and dad are really cool again. So, uh, mm. uh, but we're loving every season and this is a, a great season as uh, we, we enter the teenage years. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing in that way. So John, tell us about your growth and your journey on the leadership track and how you got to the position that you're in today in, in leading your own organization. Sure. I, I think uh, my journey as a leader has really been one uh, where I've been fortunate to not only grow as a leader in terms of my personal leadership responsibilities, but I've also had the opportunity to really study leadership and then to teach leadership and to work with leaders. And so I've had the opportunity to learn from experience and the school of hard knocks, like so many of us learn from. Uh, I've certainly made all the mistakes uh, that, that young leaders make and uh, learned some of the hard lessons that come through those. But I've also had an opportunity to short circuit that learning process uh, by being around uh, people that have come and uh, worked with me to deliver leadership programs for, for companies here in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually have a, a new management consulting firm that uh, I'm just in the process of launching uh, with a company called Barge Design Solutions here in Nashville. And it's really an outgrowth of the leadership work uh, that I've had the opportunity to do. And so I've grown a lot from my own experience but I've also grown a lot from just the wisdom of people. And I think the lesson is what I realized is, you know, having those kind of people around and having the opportunity to sit and to learn and to think and to reflect about my own leadership, uh, that was a gift that I wanted to make sure that I did not take for granted. And so anytime you have an opportunity to invest in your leadership, whether it be taking a day and going to a, a leadership retreat or a conference or being intentional about uh, exploring your own leadership, doing the really hard work of leadership. I think that's some things that uh, I really encourage people to do is to spend time to really sit down with people and have them speak into you in terms of what they see and what they experience in you as a leader. That's not fun at times. That's painful at times. But you talk about leadership growth, there's a lot of leadership growth that comes out of that. And so uh, for many of the people that I had the opportunity uh, to lead and I have the opportunity to lead, um, I give them uh, and invite them uh, to have those conversations with me, just like I'm expected to have with them, but to have them right back with me in terms of saying, tell me, how am I serving you well as a leader? And how am I falling short as a leader in terms of working with you and helping us accomplish our, our shared desires in terms of the work uh, that we do together? And so that component is something that 
I think not a lot of leaders do. I, frankly, I think it's scary. It was certainly scary for me, but boy, is it valuable. And you will learn things about yourself that you didn't know. And what's so powerful about it and what's so encouraging about it is you will learn things that you can correct. Uh, you're not stuck in terms of some of the challenges that you hear come back. Uh, there's actually ways in which you can easily kind of work through those. And so the hope that exists is that you actually can get better. And uh, I've had the opportunity at, at Lipscomb University where I spent the last 13 years, uh, we had uh, a new football coach show up at Lipscomb Academy, a guy by the name of Trent Dilfer, won a Super Bowl and uh, NFL quarterback. And he came and has done a great job of transforming the Lipscomb Academy football team. And I actually had him on a podcast and uh, was talking to Trent, and he talked about his first year as an NFL quarterback. It was the absolute worst year statistically of any rookie quarterback ever. He's like, I thought my career was done. He said, I had a horrible year. He says, I was playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We were wearing those ugly popsicle looking uniforms. Uh, but he said, the thing that allowed my NFL career to thrive was a coach by the name of Tony Dungy. And he said, after that first season, I thought Coach Dungy was going to cut me and get rid of me. He said, instead, Coach Dungy invited me in. And he said, uh, Trent, he says, I think you have the opportunity to be the quarterback of the Bucks going forward. But he says, if you're going to do that, you've got to work on the things that make you a man, not necessarily the things that make you a better pocket passer. Uh, but work on the things that will make you a leader in this locker room. And he says, if you're willing to do those things, those hard things, you've got a great future uh, as an NFL quarterback. And so Trent did that hard work. And as a result of that, uh, he ended up having a great NFL career. So I resonate with that story in terms of being willing to do the hard work that you need to do to grow as a leader. And the other thing that really resonates from that is what you were saying previously too, is like your willingness and openness to be coachable, to be able to open yourself to feedback instead of just being like, I've got everything figured out. It's all good to go. And, and I'm not interested in being able to have people speak into me. Cause yeah, I mean, that really resonated with me is I feel like in my own, um, like I kind of like got to this place of being able to grow. And, and, and part of that was like in doing the work itself, the technical expertise going for that higher education. But I feel like in the last, say, like four years of actually taking on a business mentor and having other people like, you know, so into me, I feel like that's really kind of like catapulted that next level of growth that has started to really take shape. Like our company grew 110% in wow. 2021. And uh, yeah, we've just been steamrolling growth. And so, yeah, I really <laughs> affirm the words that you're listing here, John, of like, just be be, be coachable and be open to being able to have people give you that feedback loop. And also, I love that culture that you're communicating because that's a, another thing that we do at Spirit Consulting of being able to have that 360 feedback and have other people be able to, you know, instead of the performance reviews always being top down of being able to receive that from bottom up so that the leaders in the organization can also see, like, see those blind spots that they may not be able to perceive as well. So, so thank you for sharing that. And then I love in our prep call, John, that uh, the humility of you communicating, like I have so many vices that it's easy to be able to speak on that. 
And whenever I, I kind of like offer that for people, I sometimes feel guilty in that, like I'm asking people to just like, you know, pull back the curtains and talk about some of their deficiencies and leadership presently without being able to share myself. So I, as I was like showering this morning and thinking about that question, I think one of my biggest struggles is like agape love. So like we all, you know, the, the Christian walk should be one to perceiving that God is our father and a loving father and being able to give that unconditional love that we receive from God. And so oftentimes, like in my own journey, I'm recognizing, you know, you talked about kids at different age, age ranges, especially in athletics. I, I see it. I see it. it's like so crystal clear. Like you said, like, you know, my children like teach me so much about myself and it's like, I'm sitting in like athletics and, and, and watching my kids. And sometimes it's like easy to be able to yell at them and say like, Hey, do this or do that. Or, you know, get frustrated upon like not achieving certain levels of success. And then you like think to yourself, like, Hey, is this, am I giving unconditional love or is this more performance based? And then just kind of taking that into the workplace too, of recognizing like, Hey, do I show up and love my direct reports that are maybe like not performing as high as those that are crushing it? Or if people are performance improvement plans, am I still giving them the same time and commitment and dedication to helping them grow and succeed as those that, again, my high performers? And so, yeah, I think that's something that like I'm definitely like the Lord is working on me in this season of being able to like have that extra compassion and not always just be trying to, you know, help, like just always leading with you know, communicating how people should be growing and shaping instead of just giving that unconditional love to people and giving them that space to, to really see those opportunities for improvement. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, the, the whole idea of, you know, are we being consistent in terms of our leadership and how it is that we're treating people? Uh, that becomes really, really important. And one of the things that I've discovered recently is, you know, really how important leaders are, not just to the organization, not just to the P&L that they're managing, not just to, you know, whatever it is, but how important leaders are to the psychology of their teams and the people that are working for them. And so I think someone, you know, said it beautifully when they talked about how, you know, as the leader, um, you're the thermostat. Uh, you're, you're not necessarily the thermometer. You're not measuring, but you're the thermostat in terms of setting the tone for your team. And what I've learned, um, and, and really I've learned it through some of the intergenerational leadership opportunities, is that you know, people are looking at you for leadership, but they're also looking at you for their own self-worth and their mm -hmm. own value. And they're not doing it in a way to where they're desperate for it from you or anything like that. But at the end of the day, how you react to people and how you love people and how you engage people, that's going to make a big difference in terms of how they feel about themselves. And what I think is something that is a bit of a nuance, but is very significant for leaders to recognize is that what's more important than how people feel about us as leaders is how they feel about themselves working with us as leaders. And that's something to kind of take stock in. And I think probably before, you know, I had this realization in my journey, you know, that was something to where I kind of just said, 
you know, that really has nothing to do with this. You know, when we come to work, we come to work to get stuff done. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I've learned, no, 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 no. It has everything to do with this. And it makes leadership far more complex because how you care for one person has to be different than how you care for the other. And so you have to be consistent, but at the same time, you also have to find ways to connect in order to truly be inspirational and in order to be the kind of person that truly is capable of encouraging people who will find themselves at all different places, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and from a confidence level and from an ability level and all of that. That's what makes leadership so interesting is trying to figure out how you manage that on almost a uh, interpersonal basis with everyone that you work with. Yeah. So John, can you break that down to maybe the tactical level of, uh, and maybe put some, I'm just trying to like perceive how you're looking at this in particular by maybe like some examples of ways like within your own career that you've had to use that discipline within your own leadership style. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, there's actually, there's actually research that supports this. And so Harvard uh, Business Review came out with a study, I think it was back in like 2006. And it was a really interesting study that says, it was called What Makes a Great Salesman? And um, mm -hmm. what they did was they looked at some of the characteristics of great salespeople. And these are people that were effective in terms of growing business and building business. And what they found was they had two traits. One was ambition and the other was empathy. Hmm. And it was really interesting to think about, okay, for folks that have influence, uh, there's a level of ambition, but what's more significant is they are very empathetic. They're very understanding. They're capable of putting themselves uh, in the shoes of another. Now that plays with another Harvard study that's really interesting to where a bunch of researchers followed teams of people that were making decisions. And they were, these were commercial business decisions. They were about money. Uh, it wasn't about anything touchy-feely. It was like, do we do the business deal or do we not do the business deal? And so what the researchers did was the team made the decision and the researchers jumped in and said, okay, help us understand why you made that decision. And what the researchers found was that only 30% of those decisions were based upon reason, logic, or some form of analysis. And so it begs the question, right? Well, what were the other 70% of the decisions based on? And what they found was it was emotion. And so the researchers went farther and they said, so what is the emotional trigger? And that's where they discovered what I just described. The emotional trigger, it wasn't what they thought about the other side or it wasn't anything in terms of a feeling what it was was an ego type thing to where it's how do i feel about myself in terms of seeing myself going forward with this deal with these people and so as we think about leadership uh there's there's many occasions uh and i've screwed this up royally so many times i can't even tell you in terms of people in fact i even i screwed it up last night uh with my 15 year old who said something at the dinner table that i uh just 
it wasn't a kind comment to his little brother. And I didn't like it. And I kind of blew him up right then and right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of it all, my wife, uh, kind of in her wisdom, pulled me aside and said, you know, you could have handled that better. And I said, all right. Well, I was like, what? Well, you know, he shouldn't have said that. And she's like, you're exactly right. But she's like, that's a moment where you pull him aside, you take him away for a minute and you say, Weston, uh, that is not the standard that we have in this family in terms of how we're going to talk to each other. And in doing that, she was right in that I shouldn't have escalated the moment, but she was also right in terms of I should have thought about how to handle that behavior in a way that was uh, probably a little less um, taking him on or embarrassing him in front of everyone in terms of making a moment out of it. Uh, And so there's a moment, right, where it's a leadership moment, something has to be done, but going the extra mile to say, how do I do this in such a way that protects and preserves um, the the confidence and the self-esteem of the people that are working for me or that are living with me or whatever the case might be, That's really, really important. And the reason why it's important is because in a world where people want to be valued, in a world where people don't leave companies, people leave managers, uh, in a world where people want to feel like they're making a difference and their work matters, it's in that world to where this, uh, this nuance right here of thinking about how to help other people feel great about themselves and the work that they do and working with you as a leader, that's where this becomes critically important. It becomes a key recipe for success. And it's something that, again, I certainly didn't think about it before I discovered it the hard way and saying, yeah, I may have been right, but in terms of the approach that I took, it probably wasn't as constructive as it could have been in terms of lifting the other person up to make them successful and to make them feel great about themselves and the work that they're doing. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Have you ever... uh encountered or, or listened to Danny Silk out of Bethel Church in Redding, California? I'm not. I'm not. He wrote a book called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. Yeah. And it's all about like, he was just kind of like looking at the way that God gives us free will and basically manages us, you know? And, sure. And, uh, and so it's all about like, you know, in, in like giving our kids and, but I take this more so, yes, I can look in the situation with your own son, but also looking at it in the grander scheme of like even into the management and leadership philosophy of being able to give people the options and allowing them to make the decisions to basically empower them to make those decisions. And um, yeah, and what he said is that like in these moments of high intensity, 
our brain is not able to process of like, okay, here's the, you know, no. you could either do this or you could do that. Yeah. Like, what do you prefer? Right. Like, it's usually just like the, don't say that. Like, come on, man. Like, you gotta be kinder, like, et cetera. Um, so his, Danny's whole point in that is that like in like pre-thinking through, especially in these times of like when we're either tired or we're frustrated, like, you know, we've had bad business deals that have just happened. <laughs> you know, we already are on edge to, to think about you know those situations where your buttons can be pushed and then yeah. pre-think the the way that you can be innovative and creative in those decisions that we are allowing others to be able to accept into and uh i will be the first to admit that i fail at that every single time my wife is so much better at being able to you know offer those those opportunities for our children instead of just like, okay, don't do this or don't, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that is, uh, that, that, that's really transformed the way that we lead and, and have been, you know, helping to manage our children to become the leaders that we want them to be, which is ultimately allowing them to take responsibility for their own lives, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, no, I'm just uh, really enjoying that, John, and I appreciate your your guidance in that as well. I know uh, you also are working on a book. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing there? Sure, be glad to. So uh, really, my professional field is in the area of negotiation, and I spend a lot of time helping people negotiate very difficult deals, the resolution of lawsuits. I was trained as a lawyer, and... Um, as a result of that, uh, I spend a lot of time helping people who find themselves in the midst of negotiation and coaching them on how to achieve uh, the best outcome. And then I spend a lot of time teaching negotiation and working with companies literally all over the country in terms of equipping salespeople, executives, others in terms of how to use this process. Uh, negotiation is actually the process of doing business. Uh, the Latin word that we get negotiation from is negotiatus, which means to carry on business. Uh, it, it's the process we use to put a deal together. Uh, it's the process we use to resolve a dispute. It's the process we use in terms of advancing long-term client relationships. I mean, it is core to business. And I define negotiation as a strategic communication process to get a deal or to resolve a problem. And I ask business people and leaders like yourself, I say, how much of your time do you spend engaged in that process? And if people really stop and reflect on it, uh, what they will say is they spend about 70 to 80% of their time. Uh, if you think about all your emails and you just go look at your inbox and say, okay, how many of those emails are inviting me into a communication process to put a deal together or to resolve a problem? <laughs> You'll be like, well, yeah, pretty much every email uh, that I get is inviting me into that process. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that we find ourselves engaged in all the time, but a lot of people don't see themselves as negotiators. Uh, they don't describe themselves that way, but the reality is, is that's what they're there to do, uh, is to manage these problems on behalf of the company or to pursue these deals and, or to manage these client relationships or to serve clients. That's, that's what people are hired to do. And yet, because we don't recognize ourselves as negotiators, many people don't turn to develop that skill that is so important in terms of their success, both in business, but also 
in life as well. And so I'm working on a book called Negotiation Made Simple. And uh, it's a book that I think will come out probably the first part of next year. But it's really a book that are written to people that's written to people that, again, uh, don't see themselves as doing this every day. But once and hopefully through this book, they will begin to see themselves as negotiators. What I hope to do in the book is provide them with a very simple framework that they can apply to every negotiation that they find themselves in. And then as a result of that, uh, they can more easily work through the challenges and the conflicts that are inherent in life. Uh, they can more ambitiously pursue their business goals and other goals that they have. And they can find themselves in a place to where, uh, as a result of managing this process more effectively, uh, they can also have very healthy relationships around them with uh, the people that they love and care about. And so negotiation made simple. Uh, it'll be out, like I said, hopefully kind of first quarter of next year. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for sharing that as well, John. Um, how did this come about to yourself? Can I've uh, also contemplated writing a book in this season. And so I've been uh, just kind of noodling around with that and, and have started, started to kind of like start penning the outline with that. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Because that, that's uh, very interesting to me. I love the, love the coaching, the wisdom there for how you kind of got involved in it and, and kind of maybe some of the tactical processes that you employ to actually get that done. Because, you know, you, I have a nine and a seven-year-old, so you have kids that are, you know, almost twice as old as them, three of them. Uh, and you know, longer marriage. So I'm sure you've got lots of things going on in your life to be able to like find carve out the time to do that is is very impressive. Well, uh, again, you know, I've been working on this book for probably eight or nine years. <laughs> so, uh, you know, raising kids, there's a lot that has gotten in the way uh, in terms of of getting this done. And finally, I just decided that. Uh, uh, I had to start getting up early in the mornings and, you know, doing an extra hour uh, in terms of writing. And I've kind of fallen in love with the writing process. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't think I'd enjoy it. And frankly, I love speaking and I love being in front of people a whole lot more than kind of sitting and writing. But as I've gotten into it in a more disciplined way, uh, I've really learned to love the content creation process and the opportunity to kind of sit and think and write uh, has been something I've, I've really enjoyed kind of early in the mornings, which is the only place that, you know, I can find time uh, to do it. So uh, I am no model by any means, because uh, this has been such a long, long project. Uh, but I think it's on track to, uh, to getting done. And uh, we're getting closer and closer by the day. But it's something that once you make it a habit, um, I think it's something that you'll enjoy as you're um, putting your book together. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. <clears throat> and I also appreciate the, uh, the candor of being able to share <laughs> kind of your own, your own journey with it and, and recognizing that it hasn't been something that's just overnight, which is super annoying that like, you know, the people are like, oh, well, you know, I just had this great idea. And like within 30 days, it's just boom, 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 knocked out, you know, and, and, uh, you know, recognizing that oftentimes, like, and I'm just thinking about it as like the analogy of the gym that oftentimes it's not always just like the most perfect thing that we want, but you just kind of have that, have to have those, those 
that regiment and actually show up and get it done and be yeah. disciplined with it. And then there's also going to be a lot of those days where you may not feel the most inspiration to do it, but you just show up and, and do it anyways. And, and it's those muscles that refine into a final product that you're talking about releasing for next year. So that's also very exciting. Um, John, is there uh, uh, curious as to if there's any questions that I uh, should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Well, I, I think I think one of the things that is interesting, kind of in the spirit of this podcast, especially as we think about um, virtuous leadership, uh, one of the things is to really um, find people that you have the utmost trust and respect for. They're not necessarily people that you have to know, but people whose voices you trust in terms of really speaking into you uh, as a leader. And to be thinking about uh, those folks and what you can learn from them and being intentional about that process. Um, the, the journey for me where I realized that I had to start thinking more seriously about leadership uh, was actually a moment that happened in Abilene, Texas when I was in graduate school. I went to work for a hospital and I was an intern and the person that I was interning for, I don't think was really excited about me being there. Um, and so I literally got put in a closet in a patient room oh, at a hospital. No. Oh no. And it's like right out of the office. Literally. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I got handed a stack of paper, which was a bunch of expiring contracts for the hospital. And I was my assignment was to read through those contracts that were coming up for renewal and finding any grammatical errors or discrepancies that needed to be addressed as part of the renewal negotiation. Hmm. And so I was literally just sitting there reading contracts. And the person who had helped me get this job was the senior vice president of the hospital. He was an army general. And you kind of got to get this picture. Like General Strader is about 5'5", five, five, uh, bald, uh, just this general Sounds like I would person. be in good company with this. But thing. yeah, but he, <laughs> was, he, he was not much in terms of the physical stature. So I went into his office one day and I was like, General Strader, uh, you know, is there something else I can do? Like, this is really boring and I'm not having much fun. And he said, John, come with me. And so it was the middle of the summer in Abilene, Texas, it's like 110 degrees outside. He walks me all the way out into the middle of the parking lot where there is a statue of the founder of this hospital. And we go out and I'm looking at this statue and he doesn't say a word for a minute. And then he finally looks at me and he says, John, he goes, some days you're the pigeon and someday, or I'm sorry, he said, someday you're the statue, but someday you might be the pigeon. And he just turned around and walked away. <laughs> and so it was in that moment where I kind of realized, okay, um, I, I need to get humble real quick. Uh, and I also need to, um, go to work, uh, because I don't want to be the statue forever. Um, and I'd love to get to a place to where, um, you can have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to do the things that, you know, you feel called to do and you're equipped to do them. And so it was in that moment that I began taking kind of leadership seriously 
and have tried to be very intentional about having general straighters in my life uh, throughout in terms of people that can humble you, but then people that can also uh, teach you and can guide you. And that process, again, is people read books, people do different kind of things, but really having some consistent voices that can help shape you as a leader. And if possible, people that you can get to know and can get to know you, that is a valuable, valuable gift in life if you can put it together. And so uh, to wrap that into a question, it would probably be, uh, you know, John, what, what, what are you doing today to maintain and continuing to grow uh, your leadership? And I, I think that's um, what my answer would have been. Hmm. It's interesting the way that you process that too, because originally I was going to, you know, some days, you know, you, you have the ability to have the statue in your name and people are cheering you on and celebrating you. And sometimes, you know, you're, you're just basically like the pigeon that's just, you know, most people are just like call them the rats of the sky, but it's interesting the way that you're processing it to be like, you know, you can just be kind of stuck in the rut and, and doing that and, you know, like the pigeon or be the pigeon that's like free and being able to do whatever you want to do, et cetera. So no, thank you for <clears throat> sharing that parable, John. I think that a lot to unpack there as well. So, John, how can people get a hold of you and the work that you're doing? Sure. Uh, LowryGroup.net, L-O-W-R-Y, group.net. That's my website where you can find out uh, more information in terms of uh, all the work that, that I do. And then uh, keep your eye out there for a, a new management consulting firm coming soon out of Nashville. Uh, we're so young, we don't even have a name yet, so I can't even share that. Uh, but that's where um, a lot of my work will kind of be going toward. Uh, the Lowry Group will stay up and running uh, and be kind of the legal outlet in terms of a lot of the work that we do in the negotiation and conflict management space. Uh, but would love to have people uh, reach out to me. The email is john at lowrygroup.net. And uh, if people want to reach out uh, with questions or need anything at all, uh, I'd love for them to, uh, to reach out. Great, great. And cool, cool. Appreciate that. Um, so are you familiar with uh, impartations, John? No, I'm not. No worries. So like, you know, St. Paul to Timothy, um, talked about how he wishes that he could be there to be able to give an impartation yeah. to to establish their church or specifically like, you know, exhortating uh, Timothy around like, what have you been doing with the gifts that I've, you know, imparted into your own spirituality? So uh, basically like, you know, just praying that ultimately like some of this wisdom that you've been given would be unleashed within the Virtuous Heroes uh, podcast audience. Um just recognizing that, you know, there are those moments that like click together for people and that they can go from those fixed to the growth mind state. So as you close us in prayer, can you take that into consideration for maybe, you know, sh sharing an impartation around, especially around people's uh, ability to, you know, be coachable and to be able to, you know, ex you know, take the humble approach of receiving people's like guidance in their lives to help them transform their own leadership uh, style as well. Sure. Absolutely. All right. So father in heaven, we uh, thank you for the model of leadership that you have given us in your son, Jesus. And father, we pray that you would help us, that you would send your spirit to help us 
uh, be like him. And Father, that we would have the eyes to see people who are in need. Father, that we would have the courage to make the sacrifices necessary. Father, that we would be bold enough to even stand against the crowd at times in order to uh, bring about your kingdom and to advocate for your truth. And so, Father, I pray today for everyone listening to this podcast that you would help us achieve humility, that we would realize that it's truly about others and not about ourselves. Father, I, I pray that while we would be uh, firm in the center, grounded in you, Father, that we would be soft on the edges, that we would be the kind of people that others are attracted to, that people want to be around, that people want to learn from. And Father, I pray that as each of us takes on this very difficult task of leading others, Father, that we would do so with a sense of grace. And Father, that we would recognize that um, the people that we lead will never be perfect and we will never be perfect in leading them. But it's through your grace and it's through your forgiveness and it's through your will that we can serve you and we can bring about your kingdom on this earth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John, the uh, the image that I was getting for you as you were praying is just like this great this great owl that's like just sitting on its perch. And I feel like what the Lord was saying, John, is that like <clears throat> in those moments of those early mornings of when you wake up and you have the ability to just kind of like synthesize your life and process and be able to like think creatively about what you want to put down on paper. I feel like the Lord was just like affirming you in that. And like the reason why I'm getting the, the image of the owl is because like owls have those like big eyes and, and ultimately like being able to like see further down and be able to like capture that and be able to bring that back in. And uh, no, I just feel like I, even when you were talking about it before, like I, I just kind of like got this sense of like seeing like almost like you and Jesus together in the morning of being able to write together and how like he just affirms you and loves you for like when you sit there and have the ability to like work on this book. Like he's just like so passionate about being able to spend this time with you in that creative way too. So yeah, I really just bless you with that, John. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And thanks for uh, the impact that you're having and the great work that you're doing in terms of uh, helping leaders find their opportunities and helping people who need great leadership in their organization. It's, uh, it, it's not an easy task in terms of making those connections in a way that works really well. And I know you and your colleagues work hard at it every single day. And this podcast is a blessing to many I know. And uh, honored that uh, you have you invited me to be a small part of it. Excellent. Well, thank you for watching us on the Virtuous Heroes podcast, where we inspire virtuous leadership. And uh, we pray that you have a very blessed day. Blessings to all of you. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.